Welcome to Puffin Cast, the podcast that dives deep into the fascinating world of puffins. But this is actually the Wild Islands podcast. It is indeed the Wild Islands podcast. But today we're doing everything puffin. Yeah. So, take it away, Liz. I will. So, in today's episode, we're thrilled to bring you the latest news from the Channel Islands. Oh, and what is that? That is that the puffins have just returned to our islands for their breeding season. And our beloved seabirds are some of the most iconic and charming creatures on the planet. And we can't wait to share with you all the latest updates and insights about their lives and behaviours. So, sit back, relax and get ready to learn all about the puffins of the Channel Islands on today's Wild Islands podcast. So we should clarify, the puffins have been here, what, for about three or four weeks already? By the time this yeah, goes out, they've probably, yeah, been, they probably been out for a month or so. Yeah. Um, and we do not have lots of the latest insights and updates, but we will do because we will be returning to Puffincast at a later date. We will. So, let's kick things off. What are puffins and where are they? Why have we not heard of them? Are we scared of them? So puffins are birds. Ah. And we're not scared of them because they're itty bitty bitty. Like they are really, tiny. They are tiny. And all the pictures you see of them are like zoomed in super close. Yeah, so you they, think they're massive. You do. And then you meet them and you're like, that is a I tiny know. little like, torpedo like a with, a clown, with, a, yeah, with a clown beak. They are uh, incredibly cute. I, I was, of course, being sarcastic. I do know what they are and they're amazing, beautiful creatures. And I can tell you where they are because I also know. Oh, where are they? Well, let me tell you where they are, Liz. So they're, <laughs> um, so they're, they're just off Herm and they are on the beautiful island of Beru in Oldney. And then, of course, they're in Jersey too which we'll go more in detail to because the stuff they are doing in Jersey is incredible to protect these wonderful little creatures. And why, Liz, are they not in Guernsey? Probably because we haven't got the habitat because we have lots of things like rats that will go into puffin holes and eat the eggs. Plus, they like to dig the burrows. So if you've got lots of people walking over the top, well, you can get burrows collapsing. And we have dogs, and we also have a huge feral ferret population, which is Uh, possibly one of the biggest reasons we... Well, the biggest threat. But it's interesting, isn't it? Because they have puffins in Jersey. Um, They have the same problems. They have ferrets, etc. But we don't have them in Guernsey. No, but in Jersey, they are doing some very wonderful things. They are following the um, Republican line of building a wall to protect the puffins. Actually, I shouldn't say that. It's actually really good, isn't it? It's a method that's been used and is proven successful in New Zealand to protect kiwis and other little birds and creatures. Um, And it's basically... The idea is to wall off a small section of the coast, the section where the puffins are breeding, and it... Well, it protects them from the ferrets and the rats and the cats that will be eating them and eating their eggs. Not very pleasant, really. No, not really. But also very good that they're building the wall. Build the wall. Pierre's in favour of building the wall. Um... (laughs) And you can quote me on that. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah. I, I, I feel I, I don't feel that there's anything I can really add to that. You know a bit about it too though. Um, we we yeah. sat through a, a talk on it. We did, but I wasn't expecting to talk about that today. But we're talking about puffins. Yeah, this I is do. puffin protection well, yeah, one but, on one. Yeah, but you know, I, I was thinking I was oh never mind. Anyway, okay, we don't have to talk about that. We've got the puffin <laughs> the puffin protection out of the way. Because we don't have that problem to worry about in Guernsey because they don't land on Guernsey. Um, no, they're not. No. And they land in the same places every year, don't yeah. they? So they, they're, they're clearly quite aware. They and... will go back to the same burrow to breed for their entire life. Bless them. Yeah, so they're very faithful to their site. Um, they tend to be quite faithful to each other, but not always. No, they're like people. I, I would say they're possibly better than people. Yeah. But what I do love about puffins, so we have Atlantic puffins in Guernsey or on Herm. Um, but what I really like is um, that that when they are when they reacquaint themselves, because they spend all all winter like being goths, solitary, alone out in the ocean. They even lose all of their bright colouring, and they their feathers turn grey. So they they're grey on the back, and they they're so grey and almost black around their eyes. They really do look like they're wearing makeup from the Cure. And their their bills fall off, so they're not even as bright. So they they're like, we need I'm to. We'll put some pictures of we, this on our social to. media. We're a grumpy little puffin, and I'm all on my own in the winter. And then they come back, and their and their legs go bright orange, and their feet are bright orange, and they 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 do this lovely social behaviour called billing, where they playfully tap their bills from side to side, and it's basically puffin flirting. So what you're saying is the puffins only come to the Channel Islands to have a big party and mate. Yeah, and to and to raise their puffling. Oh, they're pufflings. And I love the fact that a baby puffin is called a puffling. A puffling is a great name. Uh, yeah, and they really do look like a little puff um, if you see them. So, uh, yeah, they, they will they will lay a single egg in their burrow. Um, but, you know, puffin, I said that puffin's billing is flirting. Some mm. of the times they will bill with another puffin on the side. Ooh, yeah, it's a bit naughty. cheeky. bit cheeky. But generally they mate for life and they return to the same burrow. Um and um, they both, both the parents look after their puffling. And they both are... That's oh. good. Equal, equal, you know, stuff. Yeah. yeah. And puffins are incredible. So I said that in the winter they lose the, the sort of parts of their bill and they get it back. I don't understand the mechanism for breeding. But puffins are quite fond of certain food and they're really fond of sand eels. They are. And their beaks have got sort of these little ridges and they're perfectly designed to hold about 10 sand we, eels. We have both seen puffins with sand eels in their mouth. It yeah. is quite cute and slightly terrifying when the image is enlarged. It is. But what's hilarious is, so yeah, their bills are designed for about 10. But um, I read an, about an interview from uh, Dr. Ellie Owen from the RSPB who told Planet Puffin, so the perfect news outlet, um, that the most fish she's ever heard of one puffin carrying at once is 126. That's bananas. <laughs> that's more than 10 times the average number. Well, that's I mean, like they a ever... man walking with 10 cows <laughs> to oh, an abattoir. <laughs> or it's, you know, when you go to the supermarket and you get all your plastic, you've got all your, not plastic bags, all of your reusable bags. What are plastic bags? Oh, no, no, you might have cloth ones. But you're like, no, actually, I am not going to have yeah. to go back to my bicycle or my car for a repeat journey. I am going to get them all in the house at once, no matter how They're much They're all hanging hurt. off each yeah, of and your and, you're, and all of your blood is cut off with your fingers. <laughs> so I imagine it looked rather like that. 
But what other cool questions have we got about puffins today? Oh, blimey. Right, you'll like this question because you love telling everyone about it. Puffins' beaks, they glow in the dark, right? Puffins' beaks glow in the dark. They're bioluminescent. Well, actually, it's photoluminescent. How? Um, so... We're not entirely sure. We're not entirely sure. Well, I'm not entirely sure, but um, I do know... Ask that, a puffin expert. Well, I mean, it's actually a PhD student who was randomly shone a light because we know that some mammals glow. Blimey, we'll have to put pictures of this yeah. online as well because that is... It really... They are there to rave. So I, I, we know that puffins do this billing behaviour that I was talking yeah. about. So it's flirting. Now, we know that birds can see in different spectrum to us so it's highly likely they see that, the that is very sexy so to a puffin when when we say they come here to flirt and mate what sort of music do we think they listen to you with, well, I mean, with this, glowing beaks like I that mean, i'd say techno be, or trance yeah, yeah i was gonna say hard house or trance yeah like hard i mean i think creamfield <laughs> 1990 this is guys with sunglasses on at 10 in the morning still dancing yeah, with type behavior with the with the with, with all the whistles, whistles. <laughs> these are intense birds. Oh, okay. So there's there's a really cool paper about how their beaks glow in the dark and all of the physics um, about how it happens. Somehow they convert but, sand eels to light. Yeah. Oh, apparently. Oh, oh, this is really cool. So I've got the paper up, and apparently photoluminescent properties. Um, are used for a range of different things, from predator deterrent, so scaring away your predator, Ooh. to capturing prey. Now, we know that some fish are attracted to lures, but I yeah, don't know if sand eels can see in ultraviolet. So we, we think puffins put their beak in the water and their sand Wouldn't eels swim Wouldn't that be amazing? I'm not going to lie. That would be so cool if it was a fishing technique. <laughs> I, it really would be super cool. I don't know. I, I'm sceptical. I think it's more because of their raving habits. It might be more of their raving habits, but I th- I love the idea that it's how they catch fish. And they can dive quite deep, like 30 metres down, which for a bird that's only about 20, 25 centimetres is That is not, impressive. It's not a big, per- big bird at all. So, yeah, really, really cool. So we've gone off on a tangent there about glow-in-the-dark things. Are there any other animals or organisms that have similar adaptations for glowing-in-the-dark? So many. Like, there are... Did you hear that? So many. So many. So, you know, the puffins were discovered when someone shone a UV torch over specimens. And the same thing happened in Australia. They did it to marsupials and discovered that, uh, yeah, a whole bunch of marsupials glow, uh, uh, like, fluoresce under UV. And for some reason, mammals tend to be pink. (laughs) It tends to be pink. So the the puffins' beaks, they glow this gorgeous, like, pink and blue. And then off New Zealand, they have not one, but not two, but three whole different species of shark that glow, that different species of shark that fluoresce under UV. Wow. Yeah. Wow, indeed. And then that's a much more like of a blue colour. And we haven't even touched, like, just go down to the beach. Snake lock anemones, they look a bit like Medusa heads. They fluoresce under UV and they fluoresce differently. They have zooanthellae in, in them. So they are in a symbiotic relationship with these um, photosynthesizing organisms and they fluoresce under UV. You know, there are crabs that fluoresce. There are different fish. Cuttlefish. I think that's our oh, tangent sorry. of the sorry. day. 
I could go on about this she could. for a while. We must wrap up our tangent of the day and stick to puffin cast. Okay, we're going back to puffins. Yep. So, uh, what is the next thing we want to talk about puffins? What are some of the challenges of studying puffins in the wild? So, a big one I actually talked about right at the start. In the winter... They go all the way out to sea and they are grumpy. They don't come back. And they don't, yeah, but they're grumpy little loners. So there's very... They do, they do a Luke Skywalker they, from uh, Star Wars. Actually, I think that's a pretty good analogy. The, their age. <laughs> when I was trying to find some photos of what puffins look like in the winter with their, with their winter sooty covering on their, on their plumage and their feathers, I couldn't actually find a picture of an Atlantic puffin... Doing it. Yeah, I, I, I managed well, to find some... into the Atlantic. Like, who's going to well, be out there looking? Well north. <laughs> well, well north. I, I, I managed to get some pictures of um, horned puffins. And um, you can tell the difference between horned puffins and Atlantic puffins because our Atlantic puffins have got that lovely blue-grey triangle and very red beaks. But horned puffins have got a much more sort of orange, mm. orange bill. But I couldn't find any decent pictures of Atlantic puffins. Oh, that's a shame. So, I mean, they go right, they're 20, you know, less than 25 centimetres in size, in the middle of the Atlantic, in the winter storms, quite difficult to study, particularly when they're on their own. In the summer, when they're social and they're on land, it's much easier to, to study them. Even then, speaking from experience of trying to film them, they just bob around all over the place. You know, it's quite... Di- and like you said, the size. Like, trying yeah. to actually focus on them or look at them through a telescope, they're just sort of bobbing so up tough. and down and floating around and diving under the water. You know, like, just stay in one place, mate. And at that set, when they fly, <laughs> they fly like little torpedoes. Yeah. Their wings are going... Well, it doesn't actually have that sound effect it's the one that i have in my mind because it feels like that's the sound how are they and why are they so small for what they do because you know we have small land birds yeah okay (laughs) what is this thing evolution (laughs) i I mean it's incredible i don't know why puffins evolved to dig burrows not many i mean they will also use um, cracks and cliffs. So on Herm, they're not nesting on the top of the cliffs. There's, but there's actually these rocky faces and they go up the cracks and, in, and the cliffs. Yeah. Wow. They are. They are really strange. Cute, well adapted. Yeah. Cute little things. But, I mean, one of the reasons we've been talking about puffins is because puffins are iconic to the channel islands they are and we currently have a puffin parade on display you can go all around the island and see all these incredible puffins painted in beautiful colors and artwork you helped paint one i did help paint. in fact we're recording this quite close to the puffin that i helped paint and we you can tell um so i helped uh, paint the liberate um puffin and it's the party puffin and we went for an 80s throwback theme so we had the leg warmers and that you know that all of the 80s graphics very much in the theme of the puffins party beak yes mm, it is indeed it is. yeah in fact there's a little bit of a nod to that and why have all these puffins been painted what for what purpose so the puffin parade um now i must admit i thought it was just for the island games which in 2023 is in guernsey and but, the mascot is a puffin. And the mascot is a puffin. But no, the puffin parade is actually, it's a joint initiative between Autism Guernsey and the GSPCA. Um, so there, it's a joint fundraising initiative. And there are a huge, in fact, I don't know how many puffins there are around the island. 60. 
60 puffins. Wow. That's really cool. It's a and lot of big puffins. They are. And they've been painted so beautifully. So ours was this 80s throwback. But I saw the one in Herm, which has been decorated with, with Herm itself. And the one at Beau Sejour has what got... What happened to Herm? So it's got the island painted beautifully on it. You awful human being. <laughs> um, but the one in Beau Sejour, there's octopus and all sorts of sea creatures. They are all so cool. And what I love about it is that... So many of the puffins are showcasing our wild islands yeah. through art. And I bang on. It is on rather it. nice. It is rather nice. And I bang on about it a lot that, you know, science is nothing without art. And it's so lovely to see that all of these artists, so many of these artists are showcasing wildlife and science. And it's just awesome. Mm. It is a beautiful thing. It is a beautiful thing. Anyway, we will return to Puffin Cast, won't we? Because we will. There will be puffin trips and there will be puffin news. So we'll wrap up this uh, introduction to puffin cast, which is a what is it? What is it? This is just like a side a side pod for Wild Island podcast. And because puffins are cool and we wanted to do it. Yeah, we love it. We love yeah. a specific puffin cast. So we're here we're here during their breeding season, which is not creepy at all. Well, you've just made it creepy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we're going to wrap up here, but we will return to Puffin Cast. Join us next time for some more wildlife madness. Some more weird, wonderful wildlife-related facts. Bye. Bye. <laughs>